Okay, at this time we're going to go into uh, the preaching of the Word. So if you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to Luke chapter 15 today. Luke 15, uh, verse 11 to 24. Luke 15, 11 to 24. It's the parable of the prodigal son, you might say, um, depending on what translation you have. We're going to go verse 11 down to 24. Luke 15, 11 to 24. Let me read. Verse 11. Verse 11. And he, Jesus, and Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he, the father, divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Amen. This is the word of God. Good morning, everyone. Um, For those who don't know me, there he goes. Uh, My name is Daniel, and I have the privilege of sharing a bit from God's Word um, on this special day. But, uh, oh, L, oh, L went left. I was going to answer your question, L. Never mind. Um, I was going to begin our time together by answering or asking a question to you guys. Uh, Why do we put water on our heads? Why why do we uh, baptize babies? Why do we baptize babies? Uh, Paul gave us a bit of an answer uh, prior to baptizing the babies, but how would you answer that if you are a believer, or even if you're not a believer, uh, if someone asked you that, why does your church baptize babies? Some of us, we uh, have grown up in the Catholic Church, so uh, do we baptize babies in the same way that our Catholic neighbors might baptize babies? Do we do it to erase them of their original sin, as they believe, and make sure that they don't end up in a section of purgatory called limbo? Why do we baptize babies? Why do we baptize babies? Should we listen to maybe our, perhaps our Baptist brothers and sisters and not baptize babies? Maybe we should wait until they grow up, give the kids a chance to decide on their own whether or not they want to follow Jesus. Why do we baptize babies? There are many ways to answer this 
complex question. But let me give you the Sunday school answer, which is Jesus. Jesus is the Sunday school answer, uh, and we baptize babies because Jesus said, let the babies come to me. Luke 18, 16 says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Baptizing our babies is a way of bringing our children to Jesus, just like those in the crowd, but way back when Jesus walked the earth, brought their own children to Jesus, young as they might be, incapable of independently choosing Jesus as they might be. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Baptizing our children is our way of saying, God, my child is your child. But what does our passage have to do with baptism? The parable of the prodigal son is probably a parable you've heard of, whether you are a believer or not a believer. It's arguably the most famous of all of Jesus' parables. I think the only one that maybe beats out on it is the parable of the Good Samaritan, maybe. But we all know the parable of the prodigal son. And as famous as it is, I bet that not many of us read it and thought to ourselves, ah, baptism. And not many of ourselves have thought, ah, infant baptism. And yet, and yet, to many of us sitting here who were baptized as babies, who grew up in the church, doesn't the story of the prodigal son sound strangely like our own? The thing is, all throughout the prodigal son story, there's one thing that never changes. No matter how foolish his actions or how far he falls, one thing never changes. He is a son. And his father is always his father. That is the beauty of baptism, brothers and sisters. And that's what we'll be looking at today. So let's first track the journey of the younger son. Verse 11, And Jesus said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. All right, let's modernize this story, shall we? Imagine if this story was told today. I'd wager it might go something like this. There was once a boy... And this boy was baptized as a baby in the church. He grew up knowing God as his father from an early age all the way on into adulthood. But one day, he went to uni. One day, he got a full-time job. One day, 
he learnt that maybe this faith I grew up in isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And he jumped into all of the things that he could never do whilst being in that sheltered Christian bubble. And like the younger son who traveled to a far off country, this person leaves the church and dives headlong into the world. And as he does, the cultural gospel of the you do you draws him in. Does this sound familiar to you? You see, one of the greatest challenges, and we have many, one of the greatest challenges of the church today, one of the greatest tragedies, I think, of the church today, is how the generation that is currently old enough to decide for themselves whether to follow Jesus, so broadly speaking, um, this is the Gen Z generation, they are leaving the church. Flip on, flip on, turn on, open up, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and you will find so-called deconversion stories everywhere. Journeys of, of self-discovery, of, of deconstructing their faith, of authenticity, of so-called freedom. They all end with the person sharing how he or she has followed their heart and and is now set free from the shackles of Christianity, of, of the faith of their youth, of their childhood. Statistically speaking, brothers and sisters, it is, I mean, I hate to be a wet blanket, but it is more likely that our children, who grew up in church, will at some point question their faith. They will at some point deconstruct their faith, doubt their faith, rather then remain in it. Three in five young Christians, three in five young Christians disconnect from their faith after turning 15. Of course, you and I pray. We, we, we plead to God, please, Lord, that my kid will be the two out of the five. But realistically, realistically, statistically, it's more likely that they will be the three. And as difficult as this might be for us to go through in the future, this is where the parable and the baptism meet. As far as the son gets from his father, as deep as he might go into the world, Bear in mind, this person is a Jew in the story, and he goes to work with pigs, which to the Jew was the worst thing that they could do. And even still, who is he? He is the father's son. Baptizing our children is to claim our heavenly father as the father of our children as well. The great reformer John Calvin said this. He says, baptism is the sign of initiation by which we are received into the society of the church in order that engrafted in Christ we may be reckoned among God's children. That we may be reckoned among God's children. 
So no matter how deeply they might fall into spiritual darkness, no matter how far they might run away from our Father, they are not beyond redemption. And for our kids, the fact that this parable exists in the Holy Scripture, and in this story, there is a story about a son who deconstructs their, uh, their faith, their identity, this story, the fact that this story is in the story of the parable means what? Well, it means that even if our kids in the future might seemingly reject their Heavenly Father, what can we do if the unthinkable happens? Well, one thing we can do is to remember their baptism. It's to remember that their Heavenly Father has not rejected them. You see, baptism, it's not, it's not an empty sign. It's not just some religious mumbo-jumbo we do because we're a church. It is a profound mark that the God of the universe stands behind. But for us, for many of us, myself included, who grew up in church, who were baptized when they were young, and who also went through a season of waywardness, who also has, has gone through a season of deconstructing our faith, of questioning and even perhaps rejecting God and, and jumping into the world, going off to a far-off country. But then ultimately, you realized this world is wanting that your heart was still left unsatisfied. Brothers and sisters, we are living, breathing testimonies of God's faithful covenant promise to His children. You see, we are sons and daughters of God. And we now know God as a father in an infinitely deeper way than we ever did growing up. Amen? And still... And still, it was because we grew up with God as our Father that we are where we are now. And you could maybe even perhaps argue that it is precisely because we left home that we appreciate home all the more. And finally, for a few of us who also grew up in church, who also might have been baptized as infants and as kids, you might actually be where the prodigal son is right now. You've left your father and you're kind of in the world and you're kind of enjoying all that it has to offer. And maybe perhaps you're starting to realize also that the world is wanting, that you're left a little bit more and more unsatisfied. If you are this person, let me tell you, no matter how far you go, no matter what you do, no matter what you've done, you are still his son. You are still his daughter. And he is your extravagantly loving father. And you can come back anytime. You can. Maybe even today. Because he's waiting for you to come back home.
Speaking of coming back home, let's, let's see how the prodigal son does just that. Verse 17. But when he came to himself and he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. The son comes to his senses, as another translation might say. He remembers. He remembers as far as he might have fallen, as much as he has rebelled. He is still his father's son. The once selfish and entitled, I'm better than you, father, type of son. I know better than you, father, type of son is now humbled, isn't he? He's now broken and he has come to the end of himself. And notice how his words have changed. It's interesting. His words change from father, give me, in the beginning of the story, into father, forgive me. And still he is his father's son. It's this realization that he still has a father. As much as he feels unworthy, because he does, this knowledge that he knows that he still has a father causes him to get up and go back home. Because he realizes nothing he had done had changed the fact that home was always there for him. He is still his father's son. See, it's statistically true that right now three in five young Christians disconnect from their faith. But recently, there's been a rising tide of stories also shared on social media, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, not of deconversion, but of true conversion. Not of deconstructing their faith, but rediscovering their faith. I watched uh, one person recite one of his, uh, or his story, about coming back to the church, and he puts it this way. He said, in the end, after years of hard struggle and deep contemplation, I was able to reconstruct the basic framework of my faith almost completely with the pieces I had been given by my parents. But now, no longer was I living in my parents' house. The house was now my own. Isn't that a wonderful way to describe someone returning to the Lord? Isn't that a beautiful way to describe the potential journey and destination of our own baptized children? Isn't it a beautiful way to describe our own journey? Everything that we learned at church, everything we saw and observed in my Christian aunties and uncles, my, my Christian dad and mum, the gospel that was preached in Sunday school now clicks and is now mine. It was mine growing up in a sense, of course. But now it is mine in a way that it really is mine. But it might not have been mine had I not grown up knowing it was mine all along. The story of the reconstructing Christian who grew up in church, 
who was baptized at church, who left the church, and who now returns to church. Is the story of the parable we read today. Look at how the father responds. I love it. In verse 20, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Verse 22, he said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Verse 24, this my son was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. Beautiful. And why does, why does the father respond with such an extravagant kindness? Why does he respond with such an extravagant compassion? Why does the father run towards his son? Why does he embrace him with all his might? Because he is still his father's son. This is what baptism shows. That we are children of God. Let me read John Calvin again. Baptism is a sign of initiation by which we are received into the society of the church in order that engrafted in Christ we may be reckoned among God's children. The children we baptized today, we have entrusted into God's hands and we have declared that they are now sons and daughters of this kind of father we read about in the parable. Those of us who have been baptized have this kind of father. The hope of every parent who baptizes their child, I am sure, is for them to arrive at this destination we read about today. That no matter what kind of journey they might have gone through, that at the end of the day, when they come to the end of themselves, they might realize and remember that they have a father that they can come back to. And this father is extravagant in his love for his children, isn't he? That he runs towards us who crawl back to him in defeat. Why? Because we are still our father's children. We baptize children into God's family because we know that our father in heaven is this kind of dad. He's a dad who forgives and restores us, not because of any other reason other than we are his son, we are his daughter. Let me say this about baptism. Baptism is less a sign of our decision to follow Jesus. And it is more a sign of God telling us who we are. It's less about choice and more about identity. And now, for those who have been baptized into God's family as infants, of course, they will one day come face to face with a choice. But what I'm saying is, even that choice is overshadowed by our identity as sons and daughters of the Father. The choice we make to follow Jesus, as powerful and important of a choice that is, and it is important and powerful, is made all the more powerful, all the more important, because we were loved by God as our Father from when we were kids. 
So if you've grown up in the church, baptized and as an infant, and, and you're sitting there and you haven't quite arrived at this destination, but, but you know what it means to have come to the end of yourself, I want you to hear this. You can always run to the Father. And He will run to you. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you, as the Scriptures say. To be embraced by your God, to be forgiven, to be restored. Remember your baptism. You are still God's son, God's daughter, and God is your Father. And this is who is waiting for you back home. So why do we baptize babies? Well, the short answer is we baptize babies because Jesus said so. Jesus said, let the children come to me. Jesus said, let the children come to me because to these belong the, children, uh, the kingdom of God. In other words, let the babies come because they too have a place in my family. That our kids, baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, are now, in a very real sense, God's son and God's daughter. In the hopes that they will one day, on their own terms, on their own two feet, trust in Jesus and run to the Father for themselves. Our hope is that, as God's son and daughter, their destination is that of the prodigal son too. No matter what the journey might look like. Even if the journey is like that of the prodigal son. That they would always know. Home is always here. The father is always waiting for them. That no matter what the journey might look like for them. No matter what they've done. No matter who they'll become. He is still his father's son. She is still her father's daughter. They can run back at any time. At any place. Whatever they might have gone through, whoever they might have become, they can get up like the prodigal son and come back to the Father. This is the blessing we give our children. This is what baptism gives them. Let me pray. Father, we give you thanks that through your Son, the Lord Jesus, you have given us two sacraments, one, of being, one which is what we celebrate today. The sacrament of baptism. We thank you that it is a sign and seal and symbol of your covenant faithfulness to your people. And we thank you that our children are not left out of that. We thank you that for some of us, we grew up in the church and we were also baptized as infants. And now we claim this prize as our own. That Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. That God is our Father. Even though he was our Father. All along. We pray, Father, for those who are in the room who have yet to return to the Lord. We pray that they might do so quickly. That they might realize quickly that there is nothing in the world that can replace the satisfaction of being embraced by their Heavenly Father. We pray also for the baptized children today and all the baptized children in this beautiful community of Kingsway Evangelical Church. We pray that as we raise them up to know God as their Father, that they would really know God as their Father as they grow up and grow old. That they could be counted as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, now and in the future as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, before I, I step out of the stage, um, 
or the front of the hall. Does baptism save our children? The kind of question might be running through your mind. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, baptized children, like any other children, must have a personal faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay. But can you see how baptism is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our kids? Like We can't give them the gift of salvation as much as we would like to. But we can give them the gift of baptism. And it places them in the best possible position to receive the greatest gift that only God can give, which is the gift of faith in Jesus, right? So by baptizing our children, our children become sons and daughters of this kind of father that we read about in the parable. So no matter what kind of journey they might go through, no matter what kind of life that they might live, even if they might leave the church, there is still hope because the father is still waiting for them, right? And it's when after having come to himself, after they come back home, and their words have changed, like the prodigal son from Father, give me, to Father, forgive me, that we can celebrate with our Father, right? We can say with the Father, he was lost, but now he is found. And that's what confirmation is. So I'm going to invite Johnny to share his own story. Um, Johnny, where are you, bro? Oh, there I am. Come up, bro. Why don't we give him a hand? Oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah, this is um, round two for everyone who was at Kingsway Way. Um, but there will be no crying today. Sorry to disappoint. Yeah, so I guess um, I've worshipped a lot of things in my life, uh, like money, um, relationships, uh, Lionel Messi, career success, Lionel Messi. And when I was you know, young and I had a bit of time, I probably worshipped God as well. Um, but around year nine, when my love for Messi was uh, particularly strong, God dropped off the list completely. And I remember I had this long list of doubts, um, the biggest being historical and philosophical. I couldn't believe the miracles. Um, I couldn't believe the resurrection actually happened. Uh, I couldn't accept that Christianity was somehow different from any other religion. And um, why let us sin? Why allow tsunamis to hit Indonesia? What about that one guy in the Amazon who never heard of Jesus? Uh, why inflation? I also hated when people would tell me to pray more, uh, read the Bible more, or just accept that God has a plan that we can't see. Uh, these all seemed like cop-out answers to me. Uh, so for a good eight years, I was happy to say um, I was an atheist. Uh, the only problem was I wasn't happy, uh, which was weird considering I was living a comfortable life um, in the most comfortable time in human history, and everything was going according to plan. So I tried some other things. Uh, I tried to care about nothing and became a truly terrible human being. I tried to embrace the suck, um, and guess what? It sucks. Then earlier last year, I decided to give Buddhism a go. And um, it wasn't perfect either, but it seemed good enough at the time. Uh, it didn't really seem to get at whatever was bothering me inside, but it was a drop of water, and I was really thirsty. Then in August last year, I went for a swim, and I started to daydream about these verses, which I hadn't thought of in years. All scripture is God-breathed, for God so loved the world, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. Um, and then I thought I heard God talking to me. He said, come home, Johnny, which sounded very dramatic and very God-like, and was strangely very comforting. I felt the doubt inside me shift and release. So I decided to follow up on it. 
I joined a growth group at Kingsway and started to do all those things uh, that I once hated to do. I prayed and I read the Bible. And finally, about three months ago, I listened to a Christian influencer explain the gospel on YouTube, and that was the moment I believed. Um, and that night, it became clear to me that my most pressing doubt wasn't historical or philosophical, and probably never was. It was personal. I saw God as an oppressive force, condemning and legalistic, constantly reminding me of my sin. But I guess I never bothered to finish the book, because apparently there's a bit of a twist ending in the shape of a cross. It turns out Christ died for me, and suddenly I could see what that meant, that it was finished, um, that he had set me free, that there was nothing left for me to do. Everyone worships something, and those things tend to crush them. They crushed me. I don't have the strength to worship a thing anymore, and I don't want just a drop of water. Call me greedy, but I want it all in Christ. His hope, his life, his love, and I thank God for the faith he has given me so I might have the endless stream for my insatiable thirst. Thanks, Kingsway. Praise God. I remember um, long time ago hearing um, from, I forgot who I heard it from, Jess's brother, his joint growth group. I just remember hearing of this person, which is you, that joined the growth group. Strong atheist. He's going to cause trouble. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, but praise God, right? The way that God has worked in Johnny's life uh, since that time. Um, so excited. Um, Johnny's going to be confirmed today. And I'm just going to kind of reiterate some of the things that Daniel shared. Um, but that means that Johnny was baptized as an infant uh, at a certain point in his life. Uh, his parents uh, went to church, um, and hopefully in that church they preached the word, people prayed, uh, there was singing, and all of that would have influenced Johnny. Right? Like he said, he had memorized verses, and those things were God uh, planting seeds in his life. And now of age, uh, Johnny is here to claim faith in Jesus as his own personal Lord and Savior. Thank you. I had a typo. I, I, I won't share with you. <laughs> I've, I've already said name wrong. Okay. Um, well, now uh, Johnny has come to claim faith in Jesus as his own. And so he is declaring uh, that he has put his faith in Christ. And so, Johnny, I want to ask you three questions. And if you want, you can respond, I do. Okay. Yep. And you want to put your hand on your heart as I ask you these three questions. First, do you recognize that you are a sinner before God, deserving judgment and eternity in hell, and that the only hope for your salvation is through God's mercy and grace in the gospel of Jesus. Second, do you believe in the person and work of Jesus, the Son of God, who has freely saved you from your sins through his life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection? And last, will you now in full surrender, relying on the work of the Spirit and the promises in the gospel, endeavor to follow after Jesus according to God's word, and no longer live according to the world. Amen. Uh, I'm going to invite now John to come pray for Johnny. John is actually the growth group leader that Johnny ended up joining and causing havoc in. No, he didn't cause havoc. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and faithfulness. That as we heard in our brother Johnny's testimony, um, in all the small and big details, whether he was at church or not, it was undeniably your loving hand that was working to bring him back to you.
And we thank you that you've brought him here today, where he can publicly confirm and profess his faith in you. And we thank you that we as a church can be encouraged and in awe of what a miracle it is that this has happened. We lift up the rest of his life to you as he goes through the different seasons of life and the ups and downs that come with it. Would you fill his life with a heavenly joy and peace and love and goodness that his life would be full and that he would be fully satisfied in your son Jesus. And we pray that all of this would be for his good and for your glory, but also for the non-believers that you have placed around him and that he would be able to share this good news with them as well. Father, we trust that just as you have brought him here today, you who began a good work in Johnny will also bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. We find comfort in that and we are expectant of all the good works you will do through him. We lift up Johnny to you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, John. Uh, it's now my privilege to declare in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that Johnny Kang is now, has confirmed his faith in Jesus as his Lord and Savior, is now a confirmed member of God's church and this local body, Kingsway Evangelical Church. Let's put our hands together for Johnny. If you want a gift, get confirmed, right? Um, all of today was ultimately about God, right? God who is good, faithful, and He keeps His promises. And so I think it's fitting that we end by giving praise to God. And so would you stand on your feet with me? Let's give God glory today. 